0: Welcome to Quantum Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallet. Imagine someone came along and told you that they had an oracle, and that this oracle could reveal the deep secrets of the universe. Well, you might be intrigued, you'd probably have a hard time trusting it, right? You'd want some way to verify that what the oracle told you was true— This is the heart of one of the central problems in computer science. Some problems are too hard to solve in any reasonable amount of time, but their solutions are easy to check. Given that, computer scientists want to know how complicated can a problem be while still having a solution that can be verified? Turns out, the answer is almost unimaginably complicated. In a paper released last year, two computer scientists dramatically increased the number of problems that fall into the hard-to-solve-but-easy-to-verify category. They describe a method that makes it possible to check answers to problems of almost incomprehensible complexity. The research applies to quantum computers. Those are computers that perform calculations according to the non-intuitive rules of quantum mechanics. Quantum computers barely exist now, but they have the potential to revolutionize computing in the future. The new work essentially gives us leverage over that powerful oracle. Even if the oracle promises to tell you answers to problems that are far beyond your own ability to solve, there's still a way to make sure the oracle is telling the truth. When a problem is hard to solve but easy to verify, finding a solution takes a long time. But verifying that a given solution is correct doesn't take long at all. John Wright is a physicist at MIT who wrote the new paper, along with Anand Natarajan of Caltech. Wright says a classic example of this problem is the three-coloring problem.
1: You're given a graph, which is vertices and edges, and you want to assign either red, green, or blue to each of the vertices, such that no adjacent vertices have the same color. So this is just like a classical problem that people have been studying for decades now. And in general, we don't know, given a graph, how do you actually find a three-coloring So There are like trivial algorithms that you can use where you try out every possible three-coloring and check each one to see if any adjacent vertices share colors.
0: But Wright says that's time-consuming.
1: But if you have the help of a prover who's an all-powerful computational entity who is able to solve the problem and then help you solve it as well, they can just give you a three-coloring of the graph. And it's very easy, given a proper three-coloring, to just check that the graph is three-coloring.
0: In the 1970s, computer scientists defined this class of problems as NP, which stands for non-deterministic polynomial time.
1: NP is the class of all problems which are efficiently checkable. They need not be efficiently solvable, but you can at least check them. And what this means is that If you're given an instance of the problem, you may or may not know how to solve it. But with the help of someone who does know how to solve it, they can help you to solve it yourself.
0: Since their classification, NP has been the most intensively studied class of problems in computer science. In particular, computer scientists want to know how this class changes as you give the verifier new ways to check the truth of a solution. Before Natarajan and Wright's work, verification power had increased in two big leaps. To understand the first leap, imagine that you're colorblind. Someone places two blocks on the table in front of you and asks whether the blocks are the same or different colors. This is an impossible task for you, and you can't verify someone else's solution. But you're allowed to interrogate this person. We'll call them the prover. Let's say the prover tells you that the two blocks are different colors. You designate one block as block A and the other as block B. Then you place the blocks behind your back and randomly switch which hand holds which block. Then you reveal the blocks and ask the prover to identify block A. If the blocks are different colors, this couldn't be a simpler quiz. The prover will know that block A is, say, the red block, and will correctly identify it every single time. But let's say the prover made a mistake in telling you the blocks were different colors and they're actually the same color. The prover can only guess which block is which. Because of this, it will only be possible for the prover to identify block A 50% of the time. Wright says by repeatedly probing the prover about the solution, you will be able to verify whether it's correct.
1: Maybe instead of just the prover sending the verifier a message, a proof, the verifier could actually ask the prover a question first, then the prover could send them an answer, and then they could have a conversation. And maybe at the end of this conversation, the verifier could become convinced
0: In 1985, a trio of computer scientists proved that such interactive proofs can be used to verify solutions to problems that are more complicated than the problems in NP. Their work created a new class of problems called IP for Interactive Polynomial Time. The same method used to verify the coloring of two blocks can be used to verify solutions to much more complicated questions. The second major advance took place in the same decade. It follows the logic of a police investigation. Wright says if you have two suspects you believe committed a crime, you're not going to question them together.
1: So you don't trust your two suspects, the potential criminals. If you sit them in the same room and ask them questions at the same time, they can kind of like collaborate on their answers. They can form a consistent story as you are talking to them.
0: Instead, you interrogate them in separate rooms.
1: You can ask one criminal a question, and then because the other criminal doesn't know what you asked the first one, you can then kind of catch them in a lie.
0: So you're able to reveal more of the truth than if you had only one suspect to interrogate.
1: And so it's impossible for them to form some sort of distributed consistent because they simply don't know what answers the other prover is giving to your questions. In
0: 1988, four computer scientists proved that if you ask two computers to separately solve the same problem and you interrogate them separately about their answers, you can verify a class of problems that's even larger than IP. It's a class called MIP for multi-prover interactive proofs. For example, with a multi-prover interactive approach, it's possible to verify three colorings for a sequence of graphs that increase in size much faster than the graphs in NP. In NP, graph sizes increase at a linear rate. The number of vertices might grow from one to two to three and so on. So the size of a graph is never hugely disproportionate to the amount of time needed to verify its three coloring. But in MIP, the number of vertices in a graph grows exponentially, from 2 to 4 to 8 and so on. As a result, the graphs are too big to even fit in the verifying computer's memory. So it can't check three colorings by running through the list of vertices. But Wright says it's still possible to verify a three coloring by asking the two provers separate but related questions. Step
1: one is the verifier has to... Picks which questions they're going to ask the provers. And step two is that the verifier has to check their answers. So the provers will then respond with two answers, and then the verifier has to check that, yes, indeed, this is a good answer given the questions I gave.
0: In MIP, the verifier has enough memory to run a program that allows it to determine whether two vertices in the graph are connected by an edge. The verifier can then ask each prover to state the color of one of the two connected vertices. And it can cross-reference the prover's answers to make sure the three-coloring works. The expansion of hard-to-solve but easy-to-verify problems from NP to IP to MIP involved classical computers. Quantum computers work very differently. For decades, it's been unclear how they change the picture. Do they make it harder or easier to verify solutions? The new work by Natarajan and Wright provides the answer— Here's Wright again.
1: Our thing really helps with step one. So making it so that the verifier doesn't have to compute these questions.
0: Quantum computers perform calculations by manipulating quantum bits or qubits. These have the strange property that they can be entangled with one another. When two qubits or even large systems of qubits are entangled, it means that their physical properties play off each other in a certain way. In their work, Natarajan and Wright consider a scenario involving two separate quantum computers that share entangled qubits.
1: Quantum helps you prove more things than you could do without quantum. So if we're in a quantum world, then the provers would be able to run quantum computers. They'd be able to share entangled states, for example. And they could use these quantum resources to convince the verifier of more difficult statements than they could do without the quantum resources.
0: This kind of setup would seem to work against verification. The power of a multi-prover interactive proof comes precisely from the fact that you can question two provers separately and cross-check their answers. If the provers' answers are consistent, then it's likely they're correct. But two provers sharing an entangled state would seem to have more power to consistently assert incorrect answers. And indeed, when the scenario of two entangled quantum computers was first put forward in 2003, computer scientists assumed entanglement would reduce verification power. Computer scientist Thomas Vidick of Caltech says the obvious reaction of everyone, including himself, was that you're giving more power to the provers. Vidick, who wasn't involved in the study, says the provers can then use entanglement to correlate their answers. Despite that initial pessimism, Vidik spent several years trying to prove the opposite. In 2012, he and Tsuyoshi Ito proved that it's still possible to verify all the problems in MIP with entangled quantum computers. Natarajan and Wright have now proved that the situation is even better than that. A wider class of problems can be verified with entanglement than without it it's possible to turn the connections between entangled quantum computers to the verifier's advantage. To see how, remember the procedure in MIP for verifying three colorings of graphs whose sizes grow exponentially? The verifier doesn't have enough memory to store the whole graph, but it does have enough memory to identify two connected vertices and to ask the provers the colors of those vertices. The class of problems that Arajan and Wright consider is called NEEXP, for non-deterministic doubly exponential time. With it, the graph sizes grow even faster than they do in MIP. Graphs in NEEXP grow at a doubly exponential rate. Instead of increasing at a rate of powers of two... 2 to the power of 1, 2 to the power of 2, and so on, the number of vertices in the graph increases at a rate of powers of powers of 2. As a result, Natarajan says the graphs quickly become so big that the verifier can't even identify a single pair of connected vertices.
1: And so to label a vertex, you'd need 2 to the n digits in your number. And that's just more than you can communicate. You're only allowed to communicate polynomial and bits of information to the provers.
0: That means to label a vertex exponentially more bits than the verifier has in its working memory. But Natarajan and Wright prove that it's possible to verify a three coloring of a doubly exponential size graph, even without being able to identify which vertices to ask the provers about. That's because you can make the provers come up with the questions themselves. Here's physicist John Wright. They kind of have to
1: compress their three coloring or encode it in a way that you can check whether the graph is three colorable by only looking at a small number of positions in the encoding.
0: The idea of asking computers to interrogate their own solutions sounds to computer scientists as advisable as asking suspects in a crime to interrogate themselves. Pretty foolish. Except Natarajan and Wright prove that it's not. Wright says the reason is entanglement.
1: We know that sharing an entangled state is not enough for them to communicate. So they can't actually use this to talk to each other. But it's still some sort of shared resource. And so our entire protocol is figuring out how do we use this shared resource to generate these connected questions.
0: If the quantum computers are entangled, then their choices of vertices will be correlated. That would produce just the right set of questions to verify a three-coloring. At the same time, the verifier doesn't want the two quantum computers to be so intertwined that their answers to those questions are correlated. That would be the equivalent of two suspects in a crime coordinating their false alibis. Caltech's Anand Natarajan says another strange feature of quantum mechanics handles this concern.
1: It's Heisenberg's uncertainty principle. Like, you know, when you have a particle and you measure the momentum, you sort of destroy all the information about the position.
0: The uncertainty principle prevents us from knowing a particle's position and momentum simultaneously. If you measure one property, you destroy information about the other. The uncertainty principle strictly limits what you can know about any two complementary properties of a quantum system. Nadirajan and Wright take advantage of this in their work. To compute the color of a vertex, they have the two quantum computers make complementary measurements. Each computer computes the color of its own vertex. In doing so, it destroys any information about the other's vertex. In other words, entanglement allows the computers to generate correlated questions, but the uncertainty principle prevents them from colluding when answering them. Vidic says this basically forces the provers to forget by making a measurement. Nadirajan and Wright's work has almost existential implications. Before this paper, there was a much lower limit on the amount of knowledge we could possess with complete confidence. If we were presented with an answer to a problem in NEEXP, we'd have no choice but to take it on faith. But Natarajan and Wright have made it possible to verify answers to a far more expansive universe of computational problems. And it's unclear where the limit of verification power will be. Matt? Carlstrom helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Kevin Hartnett's full article, Computer Scientists Expand the Frontier of Verifiable Knowledge, on our website, quantamagazine.org. Will computers redefine the roots of math? You can find out in the Quanta book, The Prime Number Conspiracy, published by the MIT Press. Available now wherever you buy books or to listen to on Audible.